The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Welcome to another edition of Leadership Matters, a show that aims to support the leadership development of current and future public and nonprofit leaders. Each episode is designed to inform leaders and inspire solutions. I'm Tom Wall, and I'll serve as the moderator of our discussion today. I work with the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities and for the Strategic Change Initiative, and we work together to help organizations to strengthen and transform themselves to help prepare them for a more successful future. With me today as our guest panelists are my good friends Andre Howard and Rihanna Absar. Andre, why don't you introduce yourself to our listening audience? Great. Thanks, Tom. Again, Andre Howard with the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities, and I work with our National Center in Leadership here in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So thanks for having me again, Tom. Honored, honored. And Rihanna, would you please introduce yourself? Yes, thanks, Tom. Um, my name is Rihanna Absar. Um, I'm also with the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities, and I also work um, with our National Center on Leadership at the Alliance. Fantastic. Today, the three of us are honored to have as our special guests, Kim Watson and Charmila Medriata. Kim is the Vice President for Family Permacy Planning Services, and Charmila is the Vice President for Family and Community Service Support Services for Graham Wyndham. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Kim, Thank you. Happy to be here. Could you please introduce yourself and tell us how you got started in the field? And how you got to be the Vice President for Family Permanency Planning Services for Graham Wyndham. <laughs> sure. Um, uh, I guess the, the truth is, is that I really kind of stumbled into this work uh, over 30 years ago. Um, I had recently graduated from college and uh, was headed to um, the University of Puerto Rico as a broadcast journalist um, student. And a friend of mine who was working uh, in a foster care agency uh, suggested that I come and work there for the summer. Uh, and uh, it was as a result of um, all of the um, children that had come into foster care back in the early 80s uh, due to the crack epidemic and the extreme homelessness that was happening uh, in New York at the time. And agencies were hiring temporary um, case planners because it was seen as a temporary uh, problem uh, to, you know, to help with the, with the influx of children. Um, and I like to say, I like to laugh and say that's 32 summers ago, and I still um, never made it to the University of Puerto Rico. Um, and, and I've been in this work, uh, you know, and, and absolutely 
um, loving it, loving all of the, the challenges that have come with, come with it. Um, incidentally, that unit, that temporary unit disbanded last year. Um, as the foster care um, census in New York City is finally declining um, after so many years. But, um, but, but I've come to the work as a vice president having you know, lots of years in, in, in uh, child welfare, particularly in adolescent res- residential care. Fantastic. Well, what do you do in your capacity as vice president for family permanency planning services? Uh, so particularly, I'm responsible for overseeing the work and the services that we provide for our fa- children and families uh, connected with the prevention, foster care, and adoption programs. Um, I'm also a part of the agency's self-evaluation uh, group, which um, oversees uh, all of the ways in which we um, do the work for, you know, in terms of our practice approach, uh, in terms of our organizational health, uh, and, and what have you. And so on that group, I'm, I um, am a co-chair for the uh, cultural committee, and, which looks at cultural diversity and organizational health. And then the part that, that I, I, I enjoy just as much is the work that I do with Charmila around leadership development and capacity building for our um, program director and, uh, and uh, executive uh, leadership um, within the agency. Well, what are the biggest challenges that you face specifically in your capacity as Vice President for Family Permanency Planning Services? Truthfully, right now, the biggest challenge that we face um, is also our greatest joy, uh, and that is the declining census of children and youth uh, receiving our help through prevention and foster care programs. Um, our ability to help children and youth um, attain stability and, and permanency um, is demonstrating fantastic results, and we're really proud of that work and proud of our accomplishments. It's a terrific thing that the census um, uh, in New York City for uh, foster care prevention programs is markedly diminishing. Um, but in the same token, we are not able to offer the expertise and the um, the, the practice um, approach and services that we've that we you know really feel like we've honed over the years um, to folks who need us the most. Um, and it's not that these families have gone away; we, they're, they're still out there and they still need help. But I, we believe that they're they're showing up in other systems and connected um, in other ways uh, to, for instance, the shelter system, the mental health system, um, and and so they have connections, but that are perhaps not receiving the full complement of, of services that we could offer, that we could give. And I think that that's really our, our biggest challenge right now. Thank you. Thank you very much. And Sharmila, could you please introduce yourself and tell us how you got started in the field and how you got to be Vice President for Family and Community Support Services for Graham Wyndham? Sure. Thanks, Tom. Um, so I also started uh, in the field about 25 years ago. Um, as a direct provider at a boys' group home in Brooklyn. Um, I was brand new to New York, and I was brand new to this kind of work, kind of fell into it um, right out of college. And, you know, as I got into this work, I was immediately struck by the pathologizing labels that were assigned um, to these kids that I was working with. You know, these were kids who were receiving so many messages um, and externalizing these messages about the limitations, their limited futures, 
um, I remember that I, I was new to New York and I really didn't know much about, um, you know, the, uh, low-income young people in New York. And so I came into this with this feeling right out of college that, you know, life was this was full of possibility and that New York was this incredibly exciting place. Um, and then I would work with these young people who really, you know, they never, they had never left Brooklyn, they rarely left their block, um, and they really saw their their lives and their futures as this very limited um, place and that there really weren't a lot of opportunities for them. Um, and at the same time, I was really struck with the talent and strengths that these young folks were, were exhibiting and how often those talents and strengths were ill-understood and uh, very infrequently tapped in positive ways. Um, so, you know, I, I can relate my entire professional career back to that formative experience. Um, after that group home experience, I, I really went along this path of um, creating and supporting programs that encouraged a hopeful and attainable vision of a successful future and that really helped people tap into their own strengths um, to build a strong life. And um, I would say that my entire career has been, has been built on that sense of helping people um, you know, experience joy, helping people envision a future that's positive, um, and to not only help the folks that we work with, but to help our staff see that they can really be agents of change in a way that's very positive. Fantastic. So what are you doing now specifically in your capacity as Vice President for Family and Community Support Services that affords you the opportunity to play out that philosophy that you were sharing with us? So my, my role is, um, as this came as it's multidimensional, on a very uh, practical program level, I support and implement community-based programs. And these are programs that support children, youth, and families um, at home, um, support them through our community mental health centers. Um, my, the programs that are under me, we uh, provide um, after-school services. We have a lot of programming and we have centers that, you know, uh, families can come into and connect with each other and engage in a lot of pro-social positive activities. Um, the thing that I do that I think I'm perhaps most proud of is um, a few years ago, Graham uh, developed a, a program that we are calling Graham Slam, and it is a program that was targeted at the youth that I served, you know, 25 years ago. Um, that really intentionally and uh, supportively sticks with youth all the way through age 25. And the goal here is, um, you know, we understand that at 18, 21 years old, these, our youth are not ready to be um, on their own. And so we have developed this model that says we will be with you. We will help you to envision the future. We will help make that future possible. Um, and we'll do it in a way that constantly encourages and nurtures you. Um, and no matter how, you know, how much you push us away, no matter how much you, you know, say that you don't want to engage with us, we are always going to be here with you the same way that a family member or, you know, a cousin or an uncle or a parent would be there. Um, and we are we're really seeing some incredible success with our youth. We're seeing them graduate from high school at higher levels. We're seeing them get into college. We're seeing them stick in college. We're seeing them get jobs. Um, and it's really when we are able to provide this kind of support in this kind of unconditional but structured way, it's really remarkable uh, to see what our youth can, can accomplish. Fantastic. So what are the biggest challenges that you're facing right now in your work? 
Um, so in my work, in, in my, um, as Kim's portfolio shrinks with the declining census of kids in foster care, my portfolio has grown because, mm-hmm. um, you know, those kids are coming to, to my programs to be supported in very kind of sort of natural and organic ways. Um, but the biggest challenge that we're experiencing is that our families and our staff navigate some really big, well-intentioned, but very bureaucratic systems in New York City. Um, and the amount of time spent on navigating these systems and advocating within these systems can be really exhausting. Um, and we often feel that, you know, that, that that bureaucracy can get in the way of, um, of the work that we really want to do to support children and families and can be very demoralizing for our families. So how do you so. confront that? How do you deal with that? That is a great question. Um, we advocate on a lot of levels, so um, our executive team is constantly meeting with our peers um, at the city level to push policy changes and to you know, really help them to understand how important it is for to build relationships and for city agencies to work together. So we spend a lot of time using those relationships to help our families and our staff get what they need, it's not a perfect solution because it is not, you know, we're not able to bring around about systems change as quickly as we would like, but we've had some successes with that, and we feel that that um, is a really important role that we can play. Fantastic. Fantastic. Interested in getting into the story of the history and the accomplishments of Grand Wyndham, uh, maybe we could begin now. Uh, and we may have to take a, a short break, and then we'll come back to it. But uh, could you just join with me and give us a little bit of the history and the accomplishments of your wonderful organization? Sure. So um, it's a very timely question, because yesterday um, at Graham we celebrated our 210th birthday. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, Congratulations. Yeah. And so for anyone who's um, been lucky enough to see the play Hamilton, um, we are uh, the first, we were established as the first private orphanage in New York City. We were started by Eliza Hamilton in honor of her husband, Alexander Hamilton. Um, and I have to tell you, it is an honor and an awesome responsibility to be shepherds at an agency with this much history and impact. Um, and we, we take it very seriously here at Graham. Um, and our, you know, our programs are guided by a very simple, very impactful vision um, we believe that every child deserves a strong, loving family and the opportunity to succeed in school and the world. Um, and so all of the programs that we um, create and sustain, the outcomes that we look at, the way we support our, our staff, are really all geared towards that goal. Fantastic. Um, we, we serve about 4,500 children, youth, and families annually, and we have um, you know, a full complement of services that really... Um, look to address educational, social, emotional, vocational, and um, community needs of families. So we're, we're pretty broad-based. Thank you. Well, we're going to have to take a short break. We'll be right back. Please stay with us. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. 
Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Where is the best place to put your money? Rick Saylor with co-host Eric Hamburg will take the mystery out of investing in order to keep your hard-earned wealth performing and protecting to its maximum potential. Listen for Straight Talk, Clear Decisions, live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Rick Saylor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me are Andre Howard and Rihanna Absar. And with us are our special guests, Kim Watson and Sharmila Midrata, both vice presidents with Graham Wyndham. Before the break, they were sharing how they got into the field and talking a little bit about the history and accomplishments of Graham Wyndham. Now, you've both been involved in some very important initiatives within Graham Wyndham. You've been introducing approaches to help develop leaders within your organization. Now, this is an area of great interest within our field. It's been estimated that somewhere near 40% of the leaders within the nonprofit world will be retiring within the next four years. Everyone wants to know how to develop the leaders within their organizations. How did all this get started at Graham Wyndham? So I'll take that question. Um, so first of all, we are really, really proud and, um, and honored to be able to, to share the work that we're doing in this regard. Um, several years ago, uh, the leadership, there was a, a, a shift in the leadership at Graham, and, and uh, many of us who are um, um, in leadership roles today at Graham had just um, come to the agency from different places, different agencies. Um, particularly, Shamila and I have known each other and worked together for over 20 years, um, having worked in the same places. And so she and I had a very definite orientation about what uh, program leadership should look like and um, felt that as an agency, we should be looking for indigenous candidates whenever uh, opportunities for promotion or elevation uh, from within the organi- organization presented itself. And so the two of us, along with others on our executive team, um, which of course is led by our president and CEO, Jess Danhauser, 
um, began to take a serious look at the, at the issue of leadership and the ways in which we were intentionally investing and equipping our supervisors and directors to lead uh, their respective teams. Um, at that time, we realized that we had much work to do. And, um, and we continue to have discussions uh, um, in the executive team and, uh, and also in the effort to be more inclusive, we expanded those conversations to include the folks who were going to be impacted by any of the plans that we, that we wanted to make. So we included supervisors, we con- included managers, we included directors. The ultimate goal um, for all of that and all of these discussions was that uh, we would prepare um, a management team to be able to take on new challenges and grow within Graham. Um, and so we came up with uh, with a term, and, and we kind of like it. You know, some folks may think it's a little hokey, but we like it. It's, it's we call it Graham Grown, okay. and um, Graham Hokey's Grown leaders. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, hokey's good. And um, so Graham-grown leaders are those who have risen um, in the ranks. Um, they are folks who understand and demonstrate uh, our agency pillars, which are, which are our um, core values and their values um, along the lines of respect and um, thriving and grow and, um, and lead leadership. And, um, and they're folks who understand our practice approach, and, um, and they, uh, above all, do all that is within their capability to partner with children, families, staff, colleagues. And so initially, to help us get on the right track or get on the right path in, in developing this leadership approach, we got some help from an outside source, the Leadership Transformation Group, um, to help us shape out our development of supervisors and managers in particular in particular, and also to look at our organizational culture. Since then, we've created our own curriculum, which draws from a number of supports and sources to continue um, our development of supervisors and managers. Um, For grooming um, of our director-level staff, we took a a slightly different approach, which was that, um, you know, and Shamila will talk more about this, but was really um, aimed at getting to the experience of being a director, not just the, 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 the tasks and, the, and the, the responsibilities of program direction, but what is the experience or what ought to be the experience of the program director uh, in terms of their grooming and, and preparing them for um, hopefully executive leadership. Uh, at the executive leadership level, we um, used resources that were available to us through coursework at Columbia University, New York University, and Hunter College, uh, the Graduate School of Social Work, Silverman uh, Graduate School of Social Work there. And, um, and we look uh, always to use help from our board uh, members, and so coaching opportunities when it makes sense to do so, and as often as we can do so from, the co- from the, uh, our board is, is always um, essential. Fantastic. So tell me, what are the other dimensions of what you've been doing uh, to develop the leaders? You, you've touched on a number of them, but I'm sure there's more dimensions than that. Why don't you continue to talk about what you've been doing and what you plan to do going forward? Okay. Shamila, you want to? Yeah, so I'll take that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Tom, as, as you said in this, Kim, echoed, um, leadership development is something that we know every organization grapples with. And um, as we went into this process, the first 
thing or, or one of the most important parts is that we made sure to be really um, inclusive in this conversation with our board because we know uh, and we wanted to make sure that our board was fully bought into had fully bought into why this is really important. Um, so, uh, and it was, our, our, to their credit, our board performance committee was just as invested in this process as we were and as, as our management team. Um, they immediately grasped the importance of engaging a learning culture at the agency and how that would benefit us as a whole. Um, we also engaged with them in this conversation about um, that promoting from within was the most effective way to deliberately and explicitly develop leaders um, and address disparity issues at the management and executive levels. Um, so when we did an analysis and we looked at our agency across all levels, you know, we um, we felt it was we were not as diverse at the executive level as we wanted to be, and that um, you know if we if we really explicitly promoted from within and developed leadership from within, we would be able to address that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Kim, I think, outlined a number of the ways in which we, um, we went about developing leadership and the resources that we brought in from the outside. We also um, were very, we wanted to, to build in structures that, that um, meant that this, this push we were on to develop leaders and these ideas that we had would become formally built into the way we do things at Graham. Um, we didn't want to start something and then, get sort of waylaid by the latest crisis du jour and then drop it and, and not come back to it. We felt that that would be as harmful to the agency as not starting something at all. Sure. Um, so as we developed our training and coaching plans to support our, our line and management staff, we also revised our um, what was already robust evaluation system to strengthen and formalize the feedback loop between supervisors and their direct reports across all levels of the agency. So um, we uh, uh, fairly recently changed this. Our performance evaluation and development system, which we call PEDS, um, happens twice a year. And the system includes an opportunity for each of our staff to evaluate their own performance against the particular goals associated with their role and against our core values, which Kim touched on earlier. Um, there is a, a, a very specific opportunity for each staff member to provide feedback to their supervisor on their supervisor's performance as a manager um, and to give their, their supervisor feedback about things that their supervisor might do, do differently to strengthen um, their ability to manage their team. Great idea. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, you know, doing something like that obviously comes, you know, is fraught with anxiety um, on the part of our staff. But as we've gone through this, it's been really remarkable how well um, our supervisors have been able to hear that feedback um, and how, um, you know, how our staff have really been um, able to give constructive feedback in a way that has really improved the relationship. And I, I think it, that the ability to have that kind of straight talk and to hear and grow from that is a, yeah. a huge benefit to an organization. Fantastic. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so, and then the last piece of this is that it's called PEDS because it's not just about performance evaluation. It's also about each one of us creating, along with our supervisor, our own development plan. So everyone from Jeff, the CEO, to, um, you know, a case aide or a, you know, a part-time group leader creates a plan that is, is a professional development plan based on what each person needs to do or wants to do to become their best selves in their job. 
in their work. So these development plans are reviewed twice a year, they're revised, um, and it's an opportunity for each one of our staff to really see their, um, their, and own their own professional development. Outstanding. Um, yeah, and it's, it really has contributed to an environment where all of our staff know that to be part of GRAM means to be part of an explicit and intentional learning environment. Fantastic. Tell me what's been the hardest part of developing all this. Um, Kim, well, um, I think I mentioned I was going to pass it on to Kim, but I will say that the hardest part about this is to prioritize this as something really important while managing the day-to-day rigors and the crisis and emergencies that are inherent in this kind of work. Sure. Um, you You have to really commit to this and carve out time for this and then and then stick to that and not... Um, and not got waylaid by by other things that yeah. come up. Yeah, I agree. I really agree. It's, it's really about staying the course. Once the commitment is there, it's staying on course to seeing it uh, all the way through. So tell me, what are the things that you do to establish that something that is important but not urgent stays on the priorities of people's minds? How do you manage to accomplish that? Because I realize that's very, very difficult to do. Well, you kind of just gave the the key, which is that's exactly what we do with each other, is to look at the quadrants in which situations arise and really, um, um, you know, challenge each other in, you know, of course, in a very gentle way, but challenge each other to look at whether the, the thing that could potentially you know, railroad or knock us off course, which, what quadrant does it fit in? Is it urgent and, you know, and important? Is it important but not, you know, but not mm-hmm. urgent? You know, where does it fall? And we actually take each other through that exercise. We, we, we literally say that it's urgent but not important. This is urgent and it's important, or this is something we can backburn or, or but then not only just saying that, but, but, as 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 uh, well as we can, creating a plan to get back to whatever that thing is. So it's so it's not that we just put it on a back burner and it's on a low simmer forever, but making a real commitment to I can't get to it now, but we can get to it when or or then. Um, and then also knowing that uh, that we that you have to carry the ball, so that even if. One of us is, and there have been times when Shamila and I normally do this work together, but there have been occasions where both of us can't do it. Well, one of us can do it, and how can we get support or how can we get help, uh, you know, somewhere else in our leadership to, to continue, to continue and carry the ball. Very good. Thank you. We have to take a short break now. Stay with us. We'll be right back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. 
or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive. They shake up your status quo, get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow, and move you in new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays for our special series on transforming your business. Learn how to become the transformation leader who looks ahead to the next wave of innovation on transforming your business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Tuesdays, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, on the Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall. With me are Andre Howard and Rihanna Absar. And with us are our special guests, Kim Watson and Sharmila Midrata, both vice presidents of Grand Wyndham. Before the break, they were reviewing their efforts to develop leaders within their own organization. Andre, you've been instrumental in the development of the revolutionary leadership model within the Alliance. Leadership development's your area. What hmm. questions do you have for Kim and Charmila? Yeah, when I think, Tom, when I think about our, our model, you know, it really, uh, it really is about uh, changing systems. Um, um, Ultimately, and really, it takes into account the investment that leaders really need to make uh, within themselves, and that's around the spiritual, behavioral, cognitive, um, and emotional capacities. And so, it takes a lot to really uh, continue to hone and work in on those capacities. So, 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 Kim, you talked about uh, you've been, uh, I think you talked about, described it as 32 summers at Graham Wyndham, and I'm, I guess I would. My first question for you, Kim, and I have one for Sharmila, is uh, how do you keep it so fresh and pointed? I mean, after 32 summers, I mean, as you think about all that's needed for effective leadership, for uh, leadership that makes a difference, particularly in our sector, uh, how do you keep it, uh, I guess, sharpened and fresh and pointed and ready to come in day after day, week after week to engage in some of the challenges you've discussed? So I used the term um, hokey earlier, and I hope that that doesn't offend offend folks, but, um, but, you know, I'm finding that, um, you know, I I have done this work a really long time and, 
you know, sometimes, you you know, as Shavila described earlier, the, the bureaucracies and everything that we've had to deal with. And although the faces have changed and the names have changed, the wheels are still the same. And for, for the most part in, in, in much of what we do, I can say we've seen a lot of renovation at um, the, the uh, city agency to whom we're accountable. There's been a lot of innovation and renovation in, in um, practice and in um, their approach, and so it, that's been refreshing. But I think the, the, the key to not becoming jaded and not losing hope, in fact, we talk a lot about that here at Graham, opportunities to inspire hope and opportunities to inspire, whether it's our families or each other, um, and and you started off, um, Andre, by talking about the spiritual aspect of of it, of the organization, not forsaking that, recognizing that that is so important for for the folks who who are here, the folks we serve, and the folks that are here, and and so we're intentional about that that aspect of it too, and we get at that um, in the, in the work we do with our cultural diversity um, programming, but. I think the thing that keeps it fresh for me is being able to take my eyes off the computer screen, uh, lift my eyes up from the, the papers and the forms and, you know, the, the many meetings and look upward. And that, again, may sound really hokey, but looking up toward the vision, and that's what we're looking up to. What is it that we're aspiring to do? What is it that we've dreamed together uh, could happen? And being refreshed by that imagery, being refreshed by, um, by the vision and seeing ourselves accomplish it, and we are, we, we're accomplishing that vision, is, is so exciting. And, I mean, as I said, I love the work. I love the families anyway, and I would get up and, and come to work anyway because I love it. But it makes it that much more um, exciting, that much more, um, um, you know, soul-stirring for me to know that we are closer to the vision that, that we all set together and we co-created together. And, it, and it's not a vision that, um, you know, that our executive, that our president said, this is, this is my vision and this is what we're all going to do. No, it's a vision that was co-created. We share it. Um, our staff know it. We, everything we do in our performance uh, evaluations, um, uh, program performance evaluations, uh, is looking at how we're accomplishing and achieving that, that vision. And so for me, that just, it, it inspires me. It keeps, it, it really makes me excited, you know. Uh, and I could and go I on can, and on. Can, I'm I sorry, Shamila. voice as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you really talk about the hope, optimism, and resilience portion of, of just being reinvigorated and really ready to take on the next challenge and, and move ahead. And so, yeah. you know, really yeah. re-envisioning the future and what it could be like. And, and the other piece you talk about, collaboratively doing this as well, that this leadership journey is not a singular piece all the time. There's a lot of collaboration that, that comes yes, into play is. as well. That's, and that's powerful. Yes. yes. Um, good. Thank you. Sure. Shamila, a question for you I had. In terms of, as I was reflecting on what Kim was saying, um, in terms of our sector, the work that we do, the, the adaptive challenges that we are faced with, um, as you look across our sector and you think about leadership, do you think leaders are prepared? Well, now, we know the leaders at Grand Wyndham, of course, are certainly prepared to handle the adaptive challenges and to take on um, uh, each and every new day. But Overall, in terms of a sector, uh, what's your assessment of, of leadership readiness and development uh, in terms of, uh, of, as it relates to dealing with the challenges that we have to take on from day to day? 
<laughs> it's a great question and, and a slightly loaded question as I talk about my <laughs> colleagues across the sector. Um, but I, you know, these are conversations and are really exciting conversations that I see happening um, with colleagues across the sector. And I, I think a big difference is, has been um, social media, technology, and the generations the generation that's coming along several generations behind us and their expectations of um, their power to change the world, their expectations of how they're treated in this work. Um, and it has really been pushing us at the executive level to really think about how do we get smarter and be more responsive and use technology and the, the resources that are available to us now to be more effective at, at the work. Um, and I think the other piece that, that I, I kind of circling back to what Kim said and to what you asked earlier about what keeps us in the work, but it also relates to conversations that I've had with my colleagues, is that we are increasingly um, getting out of the weeds of the process of what we're doing and really looking at what is the difference this is making for families. Mm-hmm. And when we, you know, when we look at that and when we talk as a group about how... How, you know, what does this mean for our families? Not what does this, you know, piece of paper mean or this deadline mean or this, um, you know, set of, you know, data outcomes mean, but what is, how does this actually land for our families? What mm-hmm. difference is this making for them and how are their lives improving? That is a really invigorating place to be. And when we are able to talk about that and focus on that, I think all of us really feel that we are, you know, we're in an extraordinary place at an, in an extraordinary time in New York City, for example, and that we can really, we are making a difference. Um, but to do that, we really have to draw on each other. It becomes, it can be very difficult to be in your office with your head down answering emails and remember that this is all about, um, you know, a, a family succeeding, a family being stable, um, you know, a youth graduating from college, that this is why we do the work. And, you know, I do think that that, that conversation is happening, um, is happening more, and I know that the generations that are coming up, and Kim and I talk about this frequently, that the generation of case planners and, you know, group leaders and folks, young people that are coming up now have an expectation that they're in this work because they want to be transformational in, um, in people's lives, and they're very intentional about that. Oh, excellent. Very good. Thank you. Rihanna, uh, you deal with Leadership Matters in your work with Alliance members every day. What questions do you have for Kim and Tramila? Sure. Thanks, Tom. Um, so as Andrea kind of said, the revolutionary, mo- revolutionary uh, leadership model really is about influencing systems change and um, navigating change today and tackling adaptive challenges. So through your work um, on leadership development, what are the core competencies um, that you believe are critical for change leaders to have leaders today and leaders of tomorrow? So I can, I can start with that and Kim can jump in. Um, I, I, you know, I, I was joking around during the break about Graham feeling like a startup. And mm-hmm. I do think that that is a core competency for a leader, that mm-hmm. we look beyond the way things have been done in the past and look at all the groundbreaking work that's happening across, you know, many sectors um, in, you know, in the world and think how, how are we groundbreaking in our work in, in social services and human services. And to be able to say, I'm not interested in building a better mousetrap, I'm interested in getting out of the mousetrap business and doing something, you know, sort of more cutting edge and more forward thinking. 
So I think you have to come into the work, and, and we look for folks that are joining Graham or, or that we partner with externally who have that, that kind of headset and who want to be um, at the forefront of, of what we're doing. Kim, do you want to add something? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think in addition to that, one of the things that we've been talking, spending a lot of time talking about, and um, and and we have our own um, gram gram lexicon. So there's a whole you know list of words that usually start off with gram and uh, describe something else. <laughs> but um, but one, but this is not from the lexicon, but it's something we've been talking about a lot which is the quality of being resilient and perseverant. And so, you know, I've been in, in the field long enough to, uh, to, to have seen its cycle back around again. There was a time when folks came and they stayed in the work for a very long time and they, were, they didn't move and, you know, they, they stayed with an agency for a while. And then I watched a period of times where folks would come to a place and they'd float from one organization to another or from one role to another and not really be um, invested where they were. And so now what I, what I think Shamila and I and, and the rest of, 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 of us as leaders have come to understand that, you know, resilience, perseverance, the term we actually use, and I don't know how um, appropriate, how it, you know, it would be to, to say it over the radio, but, you know, someone who's ride or die, someone who mm-hmm. is going to get in there, who's going to stick it out, who's going to be there in the bad times, who's going to, you know, be there when it's great, and, they, and they're not going to give up. They're not going to leave. And, and it's a quality of leadership that, quite honestly, for a while I was really concerned about because it seemed as, as if when the, t- you know, when the, when the going got tough, you know, the tough left or the so-called mm-hmm. tough left. And then those who remained kind of had to scoop up that work and the work they were doing, and it really burnt folks out and taxed folks. So one of the things that we spend a lot of time talking about is the commitment that when you, when you, when you say that you want to be a leader, when you say you want to be a director or an executive leader, is to understand what that means. And Charmila and I spend a lot of time with folks individually in our coaching or mentoring, and we do it in our um, sessions, unpacking what that means, what ride or die really means. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean, you know, work yourself into a frenzy. It doesn't mean, you know, everything for gram and don't take care of yourself. Self-care and wellness are, and well-being are, are obviously, you know, central to, to all that we do, and we, we focus on that a great deal, too. But it means that when, when, when things are rough, look around you. See who's in your network that can help you get through the crisis. What, and if you don't have the skill or you're not strong enough in that area, you know, be, you know, it's okay to admit it. I don't really know how to handle this. But, but so-and-so does, and go to so-and-so and, and let them help you through that crisis so that you can get through the crisis, but you can also learn the skills or sharpen the skills that you need so that the next time this comes around, you're ready for the challenge, you're ready for it. So having that quality, you know, when I was a kid, you know, teachers called it perseverance and stick-to-itiveness, um, that, that kind of commitment. That's wonderful. Appreciate it very much. Got to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. Please stay with us.
business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me are Andre Howard and Rihanna Absar. Our special guests with us today are Kim Watson and Shamila Medriada. Both before the break, we were exploring the important work of uh, Graham Wyndham to develop its internal leaders. And in this fourth segment of the show, we like to ask our guests to offer some advice to the field. Kim, let me start with you. With what you've learned in your work to help develop leaders in your organization, what piece of advice would you offer to others in the field who are considering the development of approaches like yours? Um, I think the essential thing is that is that leaders um, have to know that they have a responsibility to train the next generation of leaders. Um, and I don't mean generation in accordance to age, uh, you know, not necessarily age, but, um, but, but really in knowing that once one becomes a leader, he or she is obligated to bring someone else along. Um, that means that, that you've got to be willing to teach, you've got to be willing to coach, to correct, you've got to be willing and, and able to celebrate successes. You know, whatever it takes to give someone else the benefit of what you've received, you've got you've to be willing to do that. No one, and, and we know this to be true, no one has ever made it to the top entirely on their own accord and, you know, without help from someone they got, uh, where they, wherever it is that they, you know, were able to, um, 
to to grow to or to be you know elevated to through the benefit of you know the the help and the tutelage that they got along the way and um you know as we were Shamila and I were saying you know on the break we really had the benefit of excellent grooming and teaching um by really extraordinary leaders um over the years that uh, that we've been in this field and we really feel like it's incumbent upon us to give away what what we've received freely um, from from others uh, who've who've nurtured us and who've who've cultivated us over over our our time as as um, you know as we aspire to be leaders, um, we think we owe it to our staff to do this for them and to be um, intentional about it. In fact, we talk about intentionality uh, a lot. That probably um, in most cases. Things don't move in the in the way that they should, because there isn't that kind of intentional um, dedication to process or an, uh, an intentional um, dedication to and, and commitment to the investment of investing in in, in others. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's that that's what I, that's the piece of advice that I would give. Very good, thank you, and Tramila. What advice would you like to offer to the other leaders in the field about putting forth the effort to develop their leaders internally? So um, just following up on something that Kim had said about the process of leadership and, and understanding um, how important it is to, to very intentionally develop leaders. Um, you know, at Graham, she and I started two process-oriented leadership groups, one for emerging directors, and that's those folks who are new in their positions and are growing into their director roles, um, and developing directors for those who've been in their role for some time and are developing themselves as the next line of mentors for their direct reports, as well as being groomed um, for possible executive leadership. Um, and in those groups, Kim and I are very intentional about sharing our own trajectory, and we, we felt that it was really important um, that our staff have the opportunity to, to see what, what we went through. Um, and, and to hear from us how we got to these positions, what mistakes we made, what lessons we learned, um, how and why we made the decisions that led us to where we are now. You know, very often our staff view and experience us, us in the roles that we currently hold, um, and unless we're very deliberate about letting them know how we got there, um, they often don't, you know, they often don't, don't know that, that our journey was very similar to, to what they're, they're going through now. Um, and so my advice to, you know, my fellow leaders is that um, to be, to intentionally share um, your development trajectory with your staff, demystify the process of becoming a leader. It is not, um, it doesn't just happen to people. It's something that, that each one of us can aspire to, but that um, it's something that we, there are ways to work at this and there, and there are ways to get there. Um, and to help, as Kim said, to bring along others along the same path that, you know, that we've come, come along. Fantastic. We also like to ask our guests to please share a mistake that you may have made that allowed you to learn something that you might not have learned without that mistake. This time, Charmila, would you please go first? Sure, yeah. Um, so as I reflect on that um, and the, what Kim and I have been talking about, um, about being mentored, we both came up at a time, and, and we both come up in, in the same organizations at different times, where we were informally mentored. And for a long time, I, that was what I, I used that model as I was informally mentoring um, 
you know, staff under me. And um, recently, or in the last couple of years since I've been at Graham, a staff member called me on this, and she pointed out that staffing programs that are smaller or not centrally located have limited access to informal leadership development. Um, and she pointed out to me how the staff that were in these programs were advancing more slowly than their peers in other parts of the agency. And it, it compelled me to rethink access to leadership development and to work with Kim and our training department and with others to really formalize our process so that everyone at the agency has access to leadership development, training, and coaching, and that we weren't, um, that we weren't being informal about it because in doing that, we risk missing segments of the agency that, um, you know, that have a right to, to, to access that um, along with everyone else. Okay. Kim, would you share a mistake that you may have made that allowed you to learn something that you might not have learned without having made that mistake? <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> when I started out um, in this work, I was really very, um, in the work of being a leader, I mean, I was um, really very idealistic and uh, was very vocal and open to sharing my views <laughs> about any and a number of, uh, of, of topics and, um, and, and functioned with, I'll just say, extreme confidence about my um, abilities, uh, I think you call it hubris, but um, but I for, but I forged ahead, you know, in 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 my endeavors and 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 um, thinking that folks were on board and not really understanding how necessary it was to get feedback, to clarify, and to make sure that I had buy-in from staff. Um, and my colleagues, and um, so because of my my behavior, because of the way that I I conducted myself, I shut a lot of people down um, in their communication and and shut off the the possibility um, for really useful conversation and collaboration. Um, and so you know how I figured it all out was really you know really a painful experience, but that experience taught me the value of process. And it taught me um, that, you know, how we get anywhere and how we accomplish anything, the how about that is just as important as what we're trying to accomplish. And so it was a painful lesson, um, but, I, but it's many years and I think of it all the time as I Thank you so you much. Know, thanks to you, Kim, them. and thanks to you, Sharmila, and thanks also to Andre Howard and Rihanna Absar, our because this has been an absolutely fantastic show. Thanks to everyone who's been listening today. Tune in again next time for another episode of Leadership Matters. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Matter.